You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and welcome to our Bears-Packers postgame show. The final whistle just blew, and our Bears, pun intended, just blew it right here on the national stage as they lost to Green Bay 24-23. to It was a tale of two halves. Two entirely different Bears teams came out to play. Aaron Rodgers did everything that we've seen in the past decade. So did Randall Cobb. Uh, same old song and dance here if you're a Chicago Bears fan. I'm Eros Oldewitt, and to help me break down this game, I have three of my Bears brothers right here with me. I'm joined by Brandon Hazlett, Nicholas Moriano, and Will Ingles. And before we get into our first quarter, I just want to let you know that we did reach our goal a couple days back. So look for the winner of our giveaway to be announced during the midway point of this show. But guys, we're just going to jump right into our opening drive in the first quarter of the show. And let's begin with this week's monster moment. Now, usually my monster moment is a moment that kind of displays that the monsters in the midway are back. You know, even if it's a brief glimmer of hope, as I, you know, I've had to do tremendously throughout 2015, 2016, 2017. I'll go that route to begin, but I'm also going to give you what I thought was the biggest moment in this game, which there were a few, especially in the second half. But my monster moments are going to be two, and it's going to be both the Cleo Max big time plays in that first half, not just the strip sack, but also the pick six. Uh, those are just two examples of just display uh, just how pivotal he's going to be for this defense, just how important the PC was. And he proved to be worth every single penny that Brian Pace shelled out for him. And not just that, but of course the draft capital. So for me, Khalil Max, two big time plays in the first half, uh, which really set the tone early, really kind of put all the momentum in the bears favor. Obviously they let go of that momentum, but those two plays are going to be my monster moment. Um, but if you want to go in terms of a monster, like a monstrous moment, uh, I'm going to have to go with either Kyle Fuller's dropped game winning interception here. Uh, and of course, two plays later, Randall Cobb goes for that 75 yard touchdown. Or you can even look at it, the third and one prior to that, where the Bears decided to throw the ball, where Jordan Howard was, you know, carving up the middle of that Packers defense. And he should have been able to, been able to pick that one up. Uh, but play calling, play calling. We're going to talk a lot about play calling. I know Nick's a little disgruntled as well, but Brandon, before we get to Nick, uh, I need to hand it over to you for your stat of the game. Throughout the entirety of the off season, 
uh, I mentioned that the Bears have to avoid the the big quarter. The one that I always put the air quotes in with you know Doctor Evil reference, whatever. Uh, and it was the fourth quarter where they gave up twenty one points. I just a meltdown, I guess, of major proportions. I didn't think that. Um, I didn't think that Vic Fangio's defense would be in position to give up that many points late in the game. I figured they'd have been able to tighten things down. You know, I guess hats off to Mike McCarthy for making adjustments uh, entering the the second half. But I mean, that was, I don't know. That's just a a major moment, a big stat in this one, the 21 points going up in the fourth. That I think my lack of words here kind of describes that. Yeah, no, it's baffling. I mean, when you're walking into the fourth quarter and you have what a 20 to three lead, I mean, even though it's, it's a three score game and you're thinking, Okay, I mean, we've seen Aaron Rodgers do it in the past, but not tonight. We're not going to have that happen tonight. And it did. It happened. Every, the wheels came off the bus. And here we are talking about another Bears loss and another Bears loss, not on the national stage, but also to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, it's frustrating. Uh, we had a lot of confidence going into this game. I think the first half showed us reason to have hope, um, but the second half kind of gave us a bunch of other reasons to kind of maybe settle some expectations. But uh, let's go over to Nick. And uh, obviously you're going to hand us, a, what, a knock, right? Oh, of course. And it goes to Matt Nagy and his play calling. Just overall, the play in the second half. um, We've seen it from Matt Nagy in the past. His last game coaching for Kansas City in that playoff game uh, against Tennessee. You know, just the I don't even know how to describe it. The foot came off the gas pedal, right? And they end up losing that game. It was a second half just, I guess, explosion. I don't know. It was just awful. You saw that here against the Bears, against the Packers. It shouldn't have happened. Matt Nagy, they took his foot off the gas. Very conservative. Didn't want to end the Packers. There were multiple times where that could have happened. But, again, we didn't see that tonight. And that's concerning for me. He played – he had a very good first drive. The offense looked great. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. And then, you know, you see the end result, 24-23 loss. So it's very concerning to see until Matt Nagy proves he can coach an entire game. Um, you know, there's you should have questions about it. You saw some good things, but you definitely saw some bad things. Right. Like once the script ran out, I mean, it got really, really coy, a little bit too, you know, stagnant. Yes. You know, <laughs> stagnant, naggy. No, but that's not, <laughs> I don't want to pull that out yet. But uh, no, I, I agree. Absolutely. One hundred percent, Nick. It was just a little bit too timid. It seemed a lot like the Bears offense we saw, you know, a year ago. You have a lead. You have an opportunity to keep the, you know, your foot on the gas and you start pumping the brakes. And when you do that and then you give up a lead, uh, we saw it. The offense had no rhythm when they were asked to kind of march down the field. They had. You know, the receivers and Trubisky, nothing. It was very difficult for them to do anything is because uh, for the majority of the game after the first couple of series, uh, they were just kind of, what, running a couple of times, running some screens, not doing a lot of down the field attacking. So, again, uh, really timid play calling was perhaps, you know, one of the biggest reasons why the Bears uh, were unable to not just come back when uh, it mattered here at the end, but, of course, give up such a big lead in the second half. And we're going to go over to Will in your segment. We're calling it the lowdown, which is you're going to give us a specific reason why the Bears lost this game. So what's the lowdown? You're still muted, Will, for some reason. I know you clicked it, but uh, I don't hear you. Test one, test two. Not hearing you. 
I can take the lowdown. You want to do the lowdown, Nick, because we're going to try to work on some of Will's audio here. So, Nick, you take the lowdown. And what do you know? We're here having uh, some meltdown issues of ourselves. So, again, it's just, oh, wait, do we have Will back? I, I'm hearing some clicking there. Okay. No. So, I mean, again, uh, <laughs> with, with defensively, you just saw a lot of, uh, even with Vic Fangio's defense, it was a lot of underneath throws are being given up uh, to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's great, but then you had those big plays happen. And that's the one thing you can't let Aaron Rodgers do, have those big plays happen. Geronimo Allison on Kyle Fuller, the big long throw there. And then, obviously, the Randall Cobb thing. The big plays are going kill, to kill the Bears. So, defensively, that's why I lost. Offensively, again, just we, I already said in my segment, just – just being very stagnant with the play calling, not being aggressive. And there was a lot of screens that didn't gain any yardage. And it was just a lot of Taylor Gabriel screens. They weren't stretching the field vertically. Um, it was just, you know, little screens off to the side. Hopefully he makes a man miss. But when that didn't work, that put the Bears in some bad situations. And it, did you guys notice, too, uh, when the play clock, when they broke the huddle, a lot of the times Trubisky's hurrying that up. Two timeouts were called in the first quarter. Um, all those add up to why the Bears ultimately lost. Yeah, no, it's crazy. You look at Taylor Gabriel's stats, right? He had the first big catch of the day for 31 yards, and then he finishes the game uh, with five catches, throwing 26 yards. So the next four catches combined went for negative six yards because, like you said, testing him on the perimeter, it wasn't working. We kept going to it, didn't really adjust. Um, so the lack of adjusting, it seems a lot like of last year when we kind of just stuck to the same thing and didn't really do much in terms of dictating. I hear some clicking over there. Will, speak. All right, are we we any better here? You are. Yes. Do, you, do you have any All other right. lowdown? Uh, yes, yeah, so Milo down uh, kind of went along the lines of Nick, but I did not see much, honestly, of a progression from 2017 Mitch to 2018 Mitch. And I think that really uh, manifested itself in the fourth quarter. Uh, I, if you ask me, his first start against the Minnesota Vikings uh, when it came to crunch time in that game, I honestly feel like Mitch looked almost identical in this contest to that one. Uh, and I found that extremely discouraging. Uh I mean, the only real progress the Bears got on that final drive, which they had time. They only needed a field goal. It was well within the Bears' grasp to still come back in that game and still, you know, end up with a victory no matter how scary or how ugly it had to be. But he didn't look confident. He didn't look ready, and he didn't He didn't even seem like they were going to win at all. It just never felt like he had that confidence at all as the fourth quarter went on. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. We'll talk about him when we get to the <laughs> offensive preview. I mean, I have a few words that I would like to share as well, but uh, let's keep things in order. So with all this, uh, we still need to hand out an MVP. I know we're all kind of deflated here after watching that second half, um, but I still want to know who's going to be your most valuable bear here for week one. And let's go over to B first. Oh, man, you went to me on the spot. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give it to Jordan Howard because I think uh, given the way that he was running the ball, especially late in the game, he talked about it on that third one when they passed the ball, uh, the incomplete pass to Anthony Miller uh, that, that killed the clock, and then ultimately they had to settle for that field goal. Uh, he really had a lot of the offense on his on his shoulders at that point. Uh, he was in rhythm. He was in stride, making you know he was patient throughout the entire game, getting bigger runs. Uh, his longest run of the day was 16 yards. Uh, but regardless, he was he was the one in rhythm for that offense, especially late in the game when they were just trying not to lose. That's ultimately what ended up happening because I didn't go to the bell cow. I know that that's something we kind of talked about uh, in the previous show that, you know, and, and really throughout the offseason that we don't want necessarily to go run, run, pass and have Jordan Howard just continue to get beat up. And, and he didn't do that. But this was an opportunity where we really, really needed him. Uh, and the play calling just wasn't there. So I have to give it to, to Jordan Howard because he was in a position to be able to carry this team and just the play calling failed it there. Yeah. 
I agree. Um, 15 carries, 82 yards. I mean, he, yep. was, he was doing everything that we needed to, uh, especially late in the game in terms of coming up with the big plays, using his vision. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but no, Jordan Howard's a good candidate there. Uh, Nick, I'm going to go over to you. Do you, have, do you have an MVB? And I ask, do you? But you better have one. Oh, yeah, it's Khalil Mack. It's easy. I mean, when you start off, you know, getting a sack, fumble, a pick six, literally the Packers had to change their entire offense in that second half because of Khalil Mack. They had to make these quick throws happen because if not, uh, Rodgers was not going to be upright. Khalil Mack was getting consistent pressure. He was a game changer. He is legitimately a game changer, and the Bears are lucky to have him, but, you know, it can't just be him. You wanted to see more, more of those one-on-one matches from other guys, but Khalil Mack is easily the MVP. He's just... Um, he kept the Bears in it. He scored himself. I mean, a guy that's going to really play dividends for this entire defense. But, yeah, it, w- it wasn't enough, though. No, uh, I have Khalil Mack as well. I mean, there's a reason why he was pretty much, you know, doubled down to my monster moment earlier in this segment. Um, but I want to give a shout out to uh, Jack Silverstein here because uh, he does his research, which he's, you know, a great job. He always does a great job with his research. Uh, he found out that Khalil Mack is the only Bears player since 1950. With to have a sack, a pick six, and a forced fumble in a single game. And he had all of that in one half. So just to put it in perspective, what kind of impact he had. And it wasn't even just what was on the stat sheet. I mean, early on, as soon as Cleo Mack got out there, I mean, he was getting in Rogers' face, you know, affecting the timing in the pocket. So Cleo Mack had his impact felt early and often. And now they did some adjustment. You have to wonder the conditioning factor a little bit as the game wore on, which is the reason why they, even coming into the game, said there's going to be a pitch count. And of course, he kind of changed that real quick with his stellar play. But yeah, no, easily Cleo Mack should be the consensus one. But I do appreciate Brandon going with a Jordan Howard to be a little bit, you know, against the grain. But what about you, Will? Do you have an MVB? Um, I'll go against the grain a little bit as well. And I'm going to go with Roy Robertson Harris. Uh, I, I think that uh, a lot of people thought that he was a guy who showed upside and could possibly really round out that that front five between Mac and Floyd and Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. And I think he really showed a lot of positive steps towards becoming that final guy. He really showed a positive bull rush. His first step off the snap was really good on a lot of occasions in the first half. Of course, with that quick passing game adjustment, he kind of became nullified in that second half. But I saw a lot of great things for him this game. Um, and I think he had a lot of – he either would clean up from a lot of the work that Mac did or he set up Mac on a few occasions as well. So, Roy Robertson-Harris, you know, obviously if you're trying to compare him to the impact that uh, Howard and Mac had, he comes up a little bit behind that. But I think he deserves some recognition here. So, he is my MVB. My stuff. All right, so that's going to do it for the first quarter of our post-game show. And before we enter the second quarter and break down what the Bears' offense did tonight, which uh, tale of two halves, like I said, maybe not even a tale of two halves, maybe the tale of a couple of drives, and then the, you know everything kind of fell apart. Uh, I need to call a quick timeout and tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's something quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all of the Bears brothers have the SeatGeek apps and our phones and our devices, and by far it's the easiest way that we've been able to purchase tickets. I'm personally a big fan of just how easy they make searching uh, tickets for the best value. You know, you can sort it by value, and instantly uh, you're able to make sure that the tickets that you're looking for are the most worth it. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on a value. SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And it doesn't just end with sports. SeatGeek has plenty of tickets to concerts, comedy, and theater too. And before the show, I was looking around actually before the game and I saw, uh, I was looking at tickets for next week's Monday Nighter at Soldier Field. So 
plenty of amazing deals left. So definitely check that out if you want to go root on the Bears at home. Uh, does seem like a winnable game, even though tonight's game, uh, Nick's squinting, he's thinking about it. But uh, we'll talk about that later on towards the end of the show. But I think it's still a winnable game if the Bears find a way to put uh, all four quarters together. But the best part of all, if you're looking at tickets to SeatGeek, our listeners do get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the app. You can even do this on the website too. Uh, enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty. You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm joined by my three Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett, Nicholas Moriano, and Will Ingles. And the three of us are breaking down this heartbreaking Bears loss against the Packers, and now it's time to dive into our discussion about the Bears offense. And before we get into position specifics, guys, I just want to know some opening general thoughts here that you have about the offense. I know we kind of hit on almost a decent amount here in the first quarter show, but uh, anything else that we haven't talked about already that you believe is worth mentioning that you have in your notes and let's go over to will first. Uh, I feel like it's that Geico commercial with Pinocchio where you just look in front of them and say, you have so much potential. And we saw that throughout the first half and uh, really to kind of see what that snapshot of potential looked like and not to see it uh, carried out further in the second half. I know we'll go into a lot more detail, but you know, the, I think the ending idea for the Bears fans that although play calling definitely deteriorated and fell apart in the second half, there is still a lot of potential here. We saw flashes from everybody, and we'll go into those flashes and the fact that a lot of them disappeared as well. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of potential here. Yeah, no, potential is still here. It's seemingly untapped at the moment, but let's go over to Brandon. I really don't think there's a much of a need to overreact to this at the moment. I mean, it, it's heartbreaking. It's rivalry week. It's you know week one of the season. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, the weapons are there. We've seen, I think we've seen a little bit of growth from Trubisky. He was able to put the ball in some tight windows. was able to evade the pocket last year. I think he would just take some more of those sacks uh, that he was able to get out of today. He was able to extend the play a little bit more throughout the game. So I think that that's good to see. Uh, the scripted play calling obviously went very, very well. It was nice to see the, that aggressiveness early on, but then so as the game went on, that kind of deteriorated and almost like, I don't want to say there wasn't a plan, uh, but I think you also have to tip your hat to, to Mike Pettin, defense coordinator for the Packers, for figuring out that adjustment. Uh, just Nagy needs to be able to figure out how to adjust as well, and it's really just a learning experience for the rookie head coach as well. Yeah, no, that's valid as well. I mean, again, it's his first time out there. I mean, it's not his first time calling plays in the game, but he is a first-time head coach, first game, big national stage. Uh you do wish you he would have kind of brought that aggressive mentality throughout all the entirety of this game because, uh, you know, after the Bears go 10 and out, it goes punt, down, punt, you get a field goal, and then another punt and another punt. And on top of that, I thought they had two great opportunities uh, to really put this game out of reach early on uh, after uh, Khalil Mack strip sack where they failed to do anything with. And then Tariq Cohen's big punt return that set him up at midfield. They should have came away with some points in that drive, and they didn't. So, again, just... Missed opportunities might be the entirety of, like, if you want to put this game in a nutshell, I think those are the two words that would describe it uh, really well. But uh, let's go over to Nick. Anything else about this offense in terms of, uh, you know, the big picture that you want to mention? I mean, we saw some creativity in, in that first half. I mean, how many times do you see Charles Lone Jr. lined up as a wide receiver? On, nice. on the, I know that that was crazy to see. And I bet you'll start seeing that around the league. And, you know, that is uh, something to be excited for that Matt Nagy does think outside of the box. You just, you just want to see it throughout the entirety of the game and just uh, we'll go into it. But, yeah, I mean, that that's a, a plus for for sure. 
Yeah, creativity early on. I mean, it was really cool. Like I was like giddy in that first quarter, right? You're seeing all these different looks. They're throwing out the T formation. They're throwing up uh, your left tackle split out wide right. Uh, Trubisky, of course, uh, they did a little bit of wildcat. Would he would exit the pocket as well and have Tariq Cohen kind of field the snap? Um, so yeah, I mean, he threw a lot out there, and it was really interesting. But then it got a little bit more basic, and I think, uh, I mean, I'm not saying he needs to be all cute and full of you know like you know theatrics throughout the entirety of the game, um, but to come out like so crazy and then to hone it in so much, I, we need to find the perfect medium. We need to find the happy balance, and that's uh, you know that's where I'm looking at this right now. But let's go ahead and uh, let's go into the position specifics, and let's start with Trubisky and uh, at quarterback here. Uh, you know, early on was really in a rhythm, really uh was in sync with his receivers, uh, you know, those three steps, you know, get the ball out, the guy's open, good anticipation, good ball placement, especially with a few throws down the field, uh, especially the one to like Allen Robinson as well. Um, but he did have a few misses, right? He missed uh, a Cohen open in the end zone. I saw that at one point in this game. I missed Robinson in the end zone early as well. Um, so, again, not a perfect game. Uh, he is only making his 13th career start. So there's still, like, time to grow, time to develop, no reason to overreact and believe that, you know, he's – not going to pan out, but there's also reason to, I mean, not to worry, but I understand why some fans who are watching the game would worry, but I'm going to caution those fans that, you know, maybe pulling the naggy here and let's pump the brakes a little bit on offense. Um, but let's go over to Brandon here. And I want to know uh, what was your main takeaways from Trubisky's day? Really? He was just able to extend the play. Uh, something we didn't really see last year. I think last year they said, you know, take the sack, don't do anything, you know, to create any turnovers, just, just take the sack and, this year, I think Nagy was able to instill some more confidence. I'm like, hey, you've got the athleticism to be able to escape some of these sacks. And we've seen that throughout the game. Uh, I mean, they still gave up four sacks on the day to Trubisky, uh, but he's able to extend the play in some ways. Uh, so I, that was uh, encouraging to see his athleticism. We've seen him roll out of the, out of the pocket. Some of the pocket moved. Uh, things we talked about, you know, play to his strengths. He's able to move and throw on the on the run very well. So that was encouraging to see. Twenty three of thirty five on the day for one hundred seventy one yards, no touchdowns, no picks. So the the no interceptions was nice, but that that fumble at the end kind of put a damper on that that no turnover stat from him. Yeah, let's go over to Nick here. You know, you saw some good, you saw some bad. You can take this any way you want. What do you want to highlight? Yeah, I mean, like you said, you saw some good and you saw some bad. I just. You expect him to make those throws, though, the ones that are wide open. Like in Allen Robinson, he had a really nice move in the back of the end zone, and he just overthrows it. And you saw a lot of overthrows today. I want to see, with all the playmakers that Mitch Trubisky has, he needs to give his guys opportunities to make those plays, whether it is a jump ball to Allen Robinson. Um, I know there was one on the sideline, just overthrows it, and Kevin King's in coverage with him. Throw a jump ball to see which one of those guys comes down with it. And more times than not, I bet Robinson's going to be the one that does. Um, but he's still learning it. So learning this offense, it's going to take time for them to gel and everyone be, you know, on the same page. So it, there's things that you can take as positives, the negatives. I mean, we kind of saw a little butt fumble here with the Ma Massey, Trubisky running into Massey. I'm like, Oh no, this can't be happening. So it, it was the first game under the lights in Lambeau. There's a lot of pressure on Trubisky. Obviously it didn't equate to a win, but let's see. Give this offense some time. It was going to take time regardless. Uh, it wasn't going to be, you know, good from the start. The defense was going to have to carry this team. Offense would, you know, then further progress. So, again, we saw good and bad. That's the best way to, you know, just sum everything up. All right, Will. So, you know, early on, uh, his first seven throws, he hit him. He was seven for seven, 104 yards. And, I mean, things were looking up. I'm, I'm jacked. I'm, you know, I'm bouncing around the living room. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to see what this offense can do. Um, but his next 19 completions only net, if my math is correct here, 67 yards, which 
Uh, of course, when you can go for seven throws, 104, and then 19 to only get 67, such a stark contrast. Why did we see that? Uh, if you ask me, I think Trubisky went from, you know, being uh, <clears throat> an athlete who played quarterback. Uh, he just turned into too much of an athlete as the game went on. You know, he took that, I can run instead of pass. I mean, there was multiple times where he took off when he had receivers open uh, downfield or receivers open where I think he would run the ball and then he would get to about where the receiver would have been, but then he's taking hits on his body and taking unnecessary contact as well. So I think he let his athleticism almost become a detriment to him at times, which surprises me because I've always considered him a player who's kind of been more heady than that when it comes to uh, passing before before running. He wouldn't run unless it was absolutely a necessity at times. Uh, but I mean, maybe that's part of the John Fox mantra, like Brandon was mentioning earlier. If you get pressure, take a sack instead of run. But uh I think when you saw the second half, I think you just saw a lot of things get crowded in his head. I think you saw him panic a lot more and that kind of flight or flight response. He decided to run instead of keep his eyes downfield and look for the open receiver. I think that's why you saw his passing productivity take a take a dive in the second half. Okay, so the big thing that we've heard all throughout OTAs, all throughout preseason training camp from Coach Nagy, uh, not just with Trubisky, but the entire team, but Trubisky specific here, Will, I'm going to go back to you. What are, like, give me your top two mistakes that he made tonight that you want to see corrected by next Monday. Um, For sure, like I mentioned earlier, it's keeping his eyes downfield when he's flushed out of the pocket. Um, I remember the specific play, Tariq Cohn flashed open across the middle of the field when he was rolling to his right. Tariq Cohn was going across the left. He had a nice wide open pocket. I want to say they did not get the first down on that play. Um, and then additionally, uh, it's definitely staying calm in those adverse situations. Uh, I think you saw his footwork break down a lot in that last drive, especially. Uh, he kind of didn't know which way was left or right. Um, he didn't really feel pressure properly either. I think he just – and the problem is those reps you don't get unless you're in the game. But I'd like to see him calm down more when the pressure gets in his face in the next time. And I think Seattle will prevent, present another challenge in Soldier Field. I'm not sure if it will be this close of a game and that they'll have the ball in the last two minutes like tonight. You can never predict that in a game. But should that opportunity present itself, I want to see him calm down. Those, I think, were the two biggest mistakes is that he would drop his eyes down and focus on running instead of being that opportunistic quarterback. Because we saw the exact flip side of what a quarterback who keeps those opportunities open with his eyes downfield and Aaron Rodgers tonight. I mean, that's the difference right. between a quarterback who keeps his eyes downfield to the one who just focuses on running. And then definitely staying calm in those situations. And once again, you saw you saw what happens when the quarterback goes the other way. You know, Trubisky kind of took the took the dark path instead of the light path as far as things you want to see your quarterback do. And the other side of that was what Aaron Rodgers accomplished tonight. Yeah, no, those are really good. Yeah, because Coach Nagy always says, you know, you can make a mistake, but let's, you know, you need to correct it and not make it twice. So hopefully next week uh, those two things can be cleaned up out of Trubisky. Uh, do you guys have anything else before we move on to running backs? No, I see let's, some shaking let's, of heads. Let's go to the RBs. Hit those RBs up. All right. So early on, like I said, they started with the uh, the T formation. He had two running backs. He had Michael Burton out there as well. A lot of two back formations. A lot of splitting them out wide. Uh, I thought they were creative how they're being utilized and how they're being lined up. Uh, so that was neat to see. Um, but looking at some player specifics, let's start with Jordan Howard, which was Brandon's MVB uh, today. He proved to be valuable not just as a rusher but also as a receiver. Something that we've talked about being important. Uh, all throughout this offseason, and it came out to show today. Uh, he was uh, tied for actually, he led the team with a uh, reception, so tied uh, with five, but he got 25 yards, everything five yards per catch, which 
you know, isn't a lot, but those five yards, you can count them as runs as well. I mean, if you're just getting a little swing pass and you're making a five yard run, uh, you know, run after the catch, just goes a five yard run in my book. So for him to, you know, Paul in uh, all five of his targets tonight uh, is a good sign for things to come out of Jordan Howard. Um, but I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. What we saw out of uh, number 24 tonight. Let's go to Nick first. Yeah, Jordan Howard, I was really impressed with, like you said, with the pass catching. Um, they were they were great. They were, you know, firm, you know, regular catches where you see him just putting his hand around the ball, firm, and just running upfield. I like that's what we saw in training camp, work on, you know, countlessly, even after practice, before practice, and it showed tonight. So that was good to see. And Jordan Howard, elusive, um, yeah, very patient runner. There was sometimes no holes whatsoever, but Jordan Howard makes, you know, a positive out of a negative. So that was great to see. And Tariq Cohen. Um, we, we didn't know where we'd see him on the field, but he showed that he's really good out in space. And I know there was that preseason game where we're wondering, Oh, he made, he read the block wrong today, uh, or tonight. He really showed that he can definitely make the the right decision in his running. And that was great to see, but yeah, I thought the running backs had a a pretty good day today and they're just going to be utilized throughout the season. Matt Nagy's offense. Yeah, he had two plays today that went against the grain. Like the play was supposed to go like right, and he ended up going left and gaining about 10 yards. And then the opposite thing happened. So uh, for him to have the vision and, of course, the ability to, uh, you know, know when to take those chances uh, worked out in our favor tonight. I mean, oftentimes you don't want to see your running back, you know, uh, cut back on a play like that. But he had uh, good timing, good patience to let it kind of develop. And he knew, like, yeah, there's nothing happening over here. So let me try this huge open area if I can just get around one guy. Uh, I should be okay. And he was able to do that. Um, and on top of that, one thing I want to highlight out of Howard is uh, on Trubisky's third down and three sweep, he had that really nice block too to kind of help seal the edge to allow Trubisky to turn it up uh, to get, of course, the sticks and move them. So for me, uh, just another nod to uh, him doing some of the little things that perhaps go unnoticed. Uh, B, I know Howard was your MVB. Anything else that you like to add on him? Really just the patience. I mean, the one play that really stands out to me, and this might have been one of the two plays you're talking about where he cuts against the green. I think it was on that field goal drive. Play's supposed to go right, and he stops, and he's looking. And I think Green Bay literally had him surrounded, and he finds a way to cut through. I think Deion Sims had one little block that he was able to find a hole, and he gets 10 yards to get to that third and one, which is then when I thought why they absolutely needed to go back to Jordan Howard on that situation on the next play, but they didn't, and the rest is history. But also from Tariq Cohen, the patience from him, which was kind of surprising, especially on that screen where Kyle Long was downfield block, and he stayed behind him. In the past, last year, I think we would see him kind of run past that block. So it was nice to see him develop some patience as well there. Uh, and Like you guys already talked about, the receiving and on, on them. But overall, I thought the running backs were one of the strongest groups on offense. Yeah, good call on Cohen with his, uh, you know, patience as well and the vision to uh, not just follow those blocks, but kind of, you know, turn it up, make a good good play out of that. Because you're right, last year he was always like 100 miles per hour. He would have either ran to the back of the block, ran around it, and would have got tackled for, you know, a shorter gain. So, yeah, the patience has definitely been improved from Cohen, at least in that aspect. Will, I'm going to go over to you, and I want to talk about Cohen because he had five catch, uh, five carries for 25 yards. Uh, seemed like he was able to really, you know, uh, get around the corner, turn up field, and get some yards early in this game. And then they ditched it. Uh, do you think that's a mistake? Because I do. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. Uh, I think the running game in general was mostly abandoned in that second half, save for those field goal drives that they kind of stuck with the ground game a little bit more on those two drives. Uh, but overall, definitely the run game was abandoned a little bit too much. I think Nick already alluded to the playoff game against the Titans when Nagy was still in Kansas City. You know, there were definitely a few. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. 
Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Do uh, callbacks to that as uh, I watched the game. I was like, man, that seems a, this seems a lot like the play calling that we saw uh, the Kansas City Chiefs evolve to in that playoff loss. Um, so I was definitely disappointed to see them go away. One other point I would like to bring up from – uh, the running backs is that we talked, uh, especially yesterday at the live show, and uh, Mitch Trubisky brought this up as well as those positive drive starters and those Jordan Howard receptions. I, I know I recognized at least one of them came on first down, and I think more than one did. But that's just a really good way because the defense is gearing up for that safe, you know, John Fox era fullback or sorry halfback dive. You know, and that's still a popular play in Nagy's playbook, especially with a running back like Jordan Howard. The success rate is higher than most other teams would find with that. But considering they're so ready to guard that A gap, B gap area, if you're splitting Howard out wide on that that uh, that swing route, and the defense is going to have to pursue and give up five yards, as God willing, that Howard makes the catch, then that's something that is a positive drive starter. And it worked in the Bears' favor multiple times. So I think that's something that was really interesting to see and something that I think we will continue to see throughout the year because that's just something that you, you can't guard everything on the field. And a swing route to Howard going to the sidelines is one of those things. If you want to guard that route, then I think Nagy would be okay with running it down your throat for a much bigger gain on a much more consistent basis. But those positive drive starters that we saw out of Howard, especially in the receiving game, really stood out to me. Yeah, I want to add too to the positive drive starters thing. Uh, I had a friend over here to watch the game with me, and there was one of the, one of the longer sustained drives that they had. And he looks at me and he goes, "You know, I think on every first down, the the ball has gone to Jordan Howard." And it's, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but it, it's a trend that kind of continued from last year with the run run pass. So I almost don't want to say it's going to be too predictable. It's probably still too early to, to call this going to be a trend. But just something to kind of keep an eye on going forward is how often do they rely on Jordan Howard on first down? Yes, at the same time, he's still their best and most consistent offensive weapon. So at the same time, you want a positive drive starter, man, hand the rock to your best player. Absolutely. There's always two sides to every story. All right, let's go over to uh, wide receivers, tight ends. Let's just lump them into one big group here. Uh, Nick, I want you to go ahead and let's begin with Allen Robinson. Finished the uh, four catches, 61 yards, averaging, you know, 15.3 yards per catch there, which you know, very solid numbers uh, for someone returning uh, from a year away from football. Uh, we saw a lot of them in that first drive, first quarter. Then he disappeared. Uh, was it juicy? I don't think it was any fault of his own. I think they just decided not to go his way. Yeah, no, I liked what I saw from Allen Robinson because we haven't seen much of him, you know, really in training camp or even the preseason. So it was great how he started off this game. And I think the play calling is really why you didn't see a lot of Allen Robinson more so in that second half as opposed to that first half. So don't put that on Robinson, but, you know, great routing, great route running showed, you know, strong hands can, you know, get open on people. I just wish he had more opportunities. But since we're, you know, joining the, the wide receivers and tight ends, where was Trey Burton, man? Like, this is a guy that I was expecting to have a huge game tonight. And yet we didn't see a lot of balls even thrown his way. Um, he wasn't targeted very much. He wasn't really, I guess, utilized as much as I expect him to be. Because, again, the Packers were depleted at their inside linebacker position. This should have been a matchup that the Bears and Matt Nagy were just exploiting in each and every play. But we didn't see a lot of that. But I liked what I saw from Robinson, and I expect a heck of a lot more from uh, Trey Burton. Yeah, no, the Trey Burton one's interesting. Uh, he was second on the team in targets with six, but was only able to haul in one for a catch. Uh, that was that 15-yard reception. And 
Uh, Will, I actually wanted to go to for you for this. So Nick was kind of, I don't know, are you peeking at my notes? We're doing this for two shows in a row, guys. But uh, uh, what did you see out there? How did were the Packers able to shut down Trey Burton? Because even though when the ball was going his way, uh, he was a lot of contested, you know, uh, throws, and he wasn't able to come down with them. But uh, what did the Packers do to uh, stop perhaps one of, uh, I thought was going to be one of the most consistent targets in this game? Yeah, uh, when when I looked at it, and of course you you get to understand this a lot more when you get to break down the old twenty two. But I really think that uh, it was a lot of what I talked about in our live show with how the Bears wanted to guard the Packers tight ends is that they had a lot of really good communication between the inside linebackers and the safety. So any routes that went vertical, there was always a very clear pass off between the linebackers and the safeties. Uh, and then whenever there was a chance, uh, crossing routes are very hard to communicate in zone coverage. And Patton doesn't run a ton of zone coverage as a defensive coordinator. But, you know, whenever they, they had communicated crosses tremendously throughout this game. And I thought that was really impressive to watch the Green Bay secondary do. You know, that's one of the things that you acquire as a defensive linebacker is uh, you uh, there are there are certain plays that you really appreciate, you know, watching regardless of whether you're a football fan. Um, and perhaps mine is watching a defense properly communicate and pass off a crosser throughout the entirety of the field. And as much as it pained me to watch the Packers do that on a few occasions, it was still impressive to watch because that takes a ton of communication because bullets are flying. You know, you're in the midst of a game. There are other routes happening in front of you and behind you, but you're still maintaining that focus and passing them off. So overall, if you ask me, it was a team effort of taking away the person that uh, in at least past situations that the Packers correctly, in my opinion, determined would be the number one read for Trubisky in a lot of occasions. Yeah, but it's just crazy. I mean, they, they executed well and kudos to them for doing so. But Entering this game, it seemed like there's a huge hole in the middle of the field for the Bears' offense to carve up all night, and instead they attacked the two, the perimeter on each side, and they didn't want to attack the middle of the field. They didn't want to really stretch it uh, vertically after the first series as well. So, it's a little confusing. Um, but again, mistakes will be there. They can uh, bounce back from. Let's go over to Brandon here. Where do you want to take the wide receiver tight end conversation? I like the that they went deep on that fade route to Allen Robinson early in one of those scripted plays. I thought that was really going to instill a lot of confidence in Trubisky to be able to go to him throughout the rest of the game. And like you said, they just didn't go his way. Uh, so that was kind of discouraging. Uh, but Anthony Miller was a guy I brought up as my X factor. And sure enough, it was late in the game. One of the plays that Trubisky extended uh, under the under the two-minute warning, I think. Uh, Trubisky rolls right and finds Anthony Miller there on the on the sideline uh, to get the get the first down, uh, be able to extend the drive. Uh, so that was nice to see him show up. Like I said, he wasn't going to get a whole lot of touches, but he was out there. And he was a lot of guy. He was the guy that was going in motion a lot, uh, I thought, throughout the entirety of the game. So it was nice to see him out there. But also no Kevin White. How surprising is that? Yeah, that was intriguing. I know he was, uh, you know, a little. Oh, Will has a point. I want him. He to was. He it. was out there for the last drive of the game, if I'm not mistaken. They had a bunch formation, and Kevin White was the guy on the line of scrimmage in the bunch. Really? So I saw him at one point. I was like, "Is that an 11? Kevin White's on the field now? <laughs> yeah, right. You, now? you wait the whole game. I mean, right. I, I saw him sprinkled in here and there, but you know, nothing came his way. Um, I would say I'm slightly surprised. I mean, it's tough because I didn't expect a whole lot from him, but you expect at least something to go his way, at least one target. Um, but yeah, you're talking about your X factor. You kind of jogged my memory here. I talked about uh, yesterday Trey Burton being a big factor of the Bears third down success or not. I think we saw that here tonight. I mean, a few times they went his way on third downs. It didn't work and didn't convert. I mean, the Bears as a team, uh, seven to 17 on third down uh, and the drive prior to this last one of the game, they got three in a row uh, before they uh, ended up just uh, with that third and one. Uh, so for me, 
even before then, it was just bad. Like after the first couple series, I mean, they just got god awful on third down, and I think a big reason is they weren't able to get Trey Burton going. So for me, I just wanted to kind of point that out because he jogged my memory. Uh, but speaking of tight ends, I wanted to go to Will because you're the biggest advocate of Deion Sims here. Uh, probably out of all Chicago Bears fans everywhere, uh, what did you take from him today? Because I, uh, I'm a not a good day to be a Deion Sims advocate. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I was watching the game, I was like, oh, this post game show ought to be fun. I hyped up Deion Sims a lot yesterday, and man, did he make me disappointed. Uh, I mean, the play that really stands out is, of course, that uh, third and one where he was unaware of where the sticks were. That I mean, a lot of people wanted Jordan Howard to get that ball. Understandably so. I think maybe your chances of converting are better, but the play was well executed. The Nagy and the Bears got exactly the look they wanted from Green Bay. Sims just didn't put himself where he needed to be on that. And perhaps the ball could have been put placed a little bit better to lead Deion Sims to that spot. But overall, especially as a pass catcher, he disappointed. He dropped another ball that ended up hitting him in the shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely disappointing. As a blocker, he did well. I, I'm not going to take that away from him. But I, I really expected him to develop as a two- uh, two-sided threat, uh, especially in the, uh, obviously the blocking game and the, and the passing game, but uh, he did not take that step forward today. So definitely disappointed. You're right. I advocated for him. <laughs> if you, if you didn't say anything, I definitely wasn't going to bring it up, but <laughs> oh, I noticed <laughs> I noticed. you caught me, but Hey, uh, the, the guy I always advocate against on the defensive side kind of proved my point too. So I guess, not to, spo- not to Brandon spoiler alert anything, but I, we can bring that one up later. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's move over to offensive line, guys. And uh, Brandon, you're Mr. Trenches. I want to know your take on uh, the, the five up front. The one white hair snap was really discouraging just in the time of the game. I mean, he had such a clean game snap, like snap wise, had really there, clean snaps. There were a couple. There were a couple. There were a couple, but the one that Trubisky dropped that was over his head, that's the one that stands out. I mean, there's a couple that were snapped. Might have thrown the time off for the most part. I thought he did an overall pretty good job snapping the ball. A lot of them were clean. A couple that weren't clean, but I'm not going to nitpick on that. Uh, He was downfield. I think it was just kind of a rough game, especially later on for him, because then he was flagged for the being downfield, uh, things of that nature. I'm sure Charles Leno getting off the, the white hair train here. I'm sure Leno was absolutely excited to line up uh, on the opposite side of the field. There's a receiver. Uh, that was kind of interesting to see. And I hope we see something more of that. I thought that was really creative and somewhat aggressive on, on Nagy's part as far as play calling goes. Uh, but Bobby Massey, uh, I thought he struggled a little bit in this one as well. Uh, essentially caused the, the butt fumble that Trubisky had that Nick brought up. I was kind of hoping we wouldn't mention that, but we ended up doing it. Uh, and he was also uh, in the run blocking at one point. Jordan Howard finds a hole and he hits it. And I think before he can blink, he runs into Bobby Massey and is tackled for like a one yard gain because he just the hole was there and Massey backs into his hole. I mean, I guess he's not, he's not aware that he doesn't have eyes in the back of his head, but it's just something frustrating to see as a, a run blocker you need to be going forward, not stepping back into the hole. So uh, those are kind of my main takeaways. Uh, Kyle Long did a very good job uh, today. Blocking downfield, like I said, on the one three Cohen screen. He had overall had a pretty quiet day, and so did Eric Cush, surprisingly, because that was the guy that I said that he's really going to be key as far as how this offensive line goes. I thought he might have been one of the stronger ones today. See, the one memory I have of Cush is he whiffs on the block and he's sitting on his butt while I see a bear being tackled in the backfield. But I'm sure I was like, when I was watching that play, I was like, I bet you Nick's thinking something right about now about a certain rookie 
uh, lineman waiting in the wings. But I digress. I want to hand it over to Nick. Any do you have any takeaways for the offensive line? You know, I thought, I mean, Mitch Trubisky was running, you know, a lot of times where there was pressure, you know, in his face and he has to use those legs just to, you know, escape the pocket. So I definitely want to see more consistent play from the offensive line moving forward. But yeah, you mentioned it, Will. Uh, I saw they showed James Daniels once. I'm like, there's my guy. He's it's just a matter of time before he takes over uh, at left guard there. But yeah, I do want to see more consistency moving forward with that unit. Yeah, uh, so we are talking about white hairs. A little bit of snap issues that continue to persist. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Brandon you know what, had though, a lot. It, I mean, it was like I said from the Packers pass rush. It had to be a community effort, and that's exactly what it was. Because mm-hmm. I can't say exactly that there was one guy that stood out above anyone else. I mean, later in the game, Mo Wilkerson was able to, to step up. He made a couple plays late. Uh, Nick Perry was there late, uh, but for the majority of the game, I mean. They had four sacks on Trubisky, which is not a, a good number to have. So obviously there's something that needs to improve, but I can't tell you that there was one guy that made this Bears offensive line look silly. Right. I mean, and when Cohen ran the ball, he averaged five yards a carry. When Howard was, you know, carrying the rock, he averaged five and a half yards per carry. So I mean yep. there were yeah, some of those trunk plays were against the green as well. So you can take a different a few different variables here. But uh I mean for the most part, they're not the reason why we lost this game, I think. No. So that's a good that's a good thing to have because in the past there definitely have been times when we can sit back and go, Well, the offense line gave us no chance. And that was not the case today. And in terms of pass protection, on top of uh that they're doing such with uh, Trubisky running around a lot, uh, all those, you know, quick plays to the outside didn't really get ahead. They didn't have to really protect all too much because of those quick plays. Uh, Will, do you have anything further that we haven't mentioned about the offensive line? No, I think you pretty much covered it right on the head there. You know, average performance, nothing to write home about, but nothing really to say to criticize that they cost them the game. Uh, when you talk about the four sacks, I mean, obviously one goes down as the white hair snap um, because then Trubisky goes down, covers that counts as a sack. And then obviously, like you mentioned, the play, which Brandon wishes to forget, the butt fumble also counts as another sack as well. So the sack numbers can be a little bit misleading. The pressures and the runouts, I think, can be misleading as well, because I think some of those were a little bit on Trubisky to where that clock went off in his head and there really wasn't any reason for him to flush out of the pocket. That's not to say every time was the line definitely had some lapses in play in the past in pass pro. But I do think some of that's on Trubisky as well there. There was definitely some jitters on both sides between the line and Trubisky. I think consistency between the two, like Will mentioned earlier, is going to be really key moving forward. All right, let's hand over. To, let's go to Nick now. And uh, I think it's the time to do some you know, closing thoughts on the Bears offense. So, Nick, take it away. You know, I will say this. Uh, I think the Bears are going to miss Adam Shaheen right now. Um, I already miss him. Yeah, because with Deion Sims there as a pass catcher, I'm not confident in him. I think the Bears will miss him. Like like we said, there was good and bad. Um, we just want to see the play calling really improve uh, moving forward just to stay aggressive. That's what Matt Nagy was brought here to do, just to elevate the this overall offense to become you know a lot better, be able to score not just in the first quarter, but also in the fourth quarter. Um, again, Mitch Trubisky needs to elevate his play, give his uh, playmakers opportunities to make those plays. And, yeah, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with this one. It's just so, you know. I mean, the second half really is just deflated me. I'm just, I'm not the same. <laughs> I know. To be honest. I, I, I was at like a 12, if not even higher. And now I'm, I got, after this game, I could drop down to like a two. It's crazy how 
drastically the mood can shift uh, in just you know 30 minutes of football. But uh, I think we saw both extremes here tonight. Uh, Will, I'm going to go over to you for your final thought on offense. Um, kind of what I took off with the with the beginning. There's definitely some uh, there's definitely some potential here. Um, I think some of the good things of today is that you saw a little bit from everybody. You saw a little bit from Anthony Miller what he can do. You saw a little bit from Robinson and just just the how he can massacre you know defensive backs downfield. You know there are one on one battles that are won by the defense, and it still doesn't matter. That's kind of like a cheat code more or less. Um, and I think Nick mentioned it earlier that why can't you just throw a jump ball to him, Mitch? You know, at that point, when you have a guy like that, that's why we got you a guy like that, is that when you're in trouble, you no longer just have to throw the ball away. You at least have a guy who can fight for that jump ball and make some plays that you think are wasted into huge game-shifting uh, plays. Uh, then again, you see kind of the gadget gadgetry with uh, guys like Tariq Cohen and Taylor Gabriel. You know, you saw what that speed with Gabriel can do. We mentioned yesterday in the pregame show that, you know, he he makes the safeties move back, and that created that giant pocket that we saw on the first drive, that large chunk gain down the field. That's created because the safeties are respecting him down the field. Uh, and then, obviously, Jordan Howard had a very strong showing. You know, Trey Burton didn't have a lot of looks, but you saw what he could be. You know, that one that one uh, route and, you know, pass and catch was very good. Um, and I, obviously you want to see more from him, but overall you saw a smattering of good from everybody. And that's what I take away from this offensive performance tonight is that there's something good from everybody. They just got to put it together for a whole stinking game. Yeah. What about you, B? I really just want to say to not be discouraged uh, because there's really not much of a reason to be. It's game one. Uh, Mike Pettin, who consistently puts top 10 defenses out there. I mean, you really got to tip your cap to him for making the adjustment. Um, but really, we've kind of harped on the play calling, but let's not forget that a lot of the weapons that we provided Trubisky with in this offseason, I think we've seen the lack of chemistry really show up in this game. Uh, he hit Allen Robinson early, then he kind of disappeared. Talked about Trey Burton not really being much of a factor. We didn't even talk about Taylor Gabriel and what he did in this offense. There were a couple times uh, we brought up earlier uh, that um, – a couple times we brought up earlier that he was able to make a play, but he largely wasn't much uh, of a factor in this one either. So it really just came down to the guys that he's familiar with, Deion Sims, Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen. Uh, and that's because he's comfortable with that. And I think that's why we've seen a lot of them uh, more than we did Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel. So he really just needs to continue to build chemistry with some of these guys. And I think we'll we'll see the play calling uh, improve when we see the, the chemistry improve. And there needs to be a, a show of confidence in Trubisky to be able to hit those guys. Yeah, I think you can tell today uh, he didn't have a go-to guy when you know the situation arose when he had to make a big-time play. Uh, so someone needs to step up and be that guy, either it be an Anthony Miller who you know he had a clutch play today, uh, either it be a Trey Burton that bigger body, or you know even Allen Robinson like Nick mentioned too. Someone needs to step up. Uh, as of right now, we don't have one, which it's understandable given this is the first official game that they've actually went out there and played together. You know, it's one thing to do it in practice and it's another thing to do it on Sunday night football against the green Bay Packers. But for me, yeah, just my final thought on offense would be for all the mistakes that we already talked about, let's just find a way not to make it them again. Uh, Trubisky is pretty, uh, you know, self aware here. He said uh, in the post game presser, I saw scoring through Twitter uh, that he knew he uh, left some throws out there and sometimes he got a little bit of happy feet. So he knows of course uh, his two detriments from tonight's game and now it's up to him to find a way to correct them and not duplicate these mistakes moving forward. All right, so up next, we're going to enter the third quarter of our show and break down the Bears' defense. But first, I want to announce the random listener who won our Khalil Mack jersey giveaway. Drum roll, please, Brandon. Or, nope, Brandon is not ready for a drum roll. He's muted. I can and hear right now. Can, can you hear that? 
There we go. That is the best drum roll I've ever had. <laughs> so I want to give a big congratulations to reviewer Five Hole Frenzy. Uh, so please either send us a message on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or send me an email, will at thebearsbros.com. And I'll make, sure you to, I'll make sure to send you that jersey uh, right away. So again, congrats to uh, Five Hole Frenzy. Um, but real quick, I just want to thank everyone who you know helped us reach our goal. Uh, I plan on doing something like this for every 100th review. So And everyone who tried for this MAC jersey, uh, of course, is automatically in the running for the next one as well. And Nick, I know you like to sit in the chat, and I just want to know, uh, you know, we're talking about our thoughts about the game. What's the general move of the chat? They as light down as we are? Oh, man, there's a lot of thoughts in this chat. There's also a lot of Packers fans in this chat, so they're kind of, you know, there's a like there's people saying that Mitch is he'll get better. The Bears, I'm so there's one guy is like, I'm so freaking pissed. I, I can relate with that right now. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on here. A lot of emotions. Obviously, I think disappointment's like the biggest one. And, you know, anger, I think, is another one. Yeah, I figure that's what would be the case. And, you know, if you're listening on a podcast and you want to talk to us some more Bears fans after games, uh, it's a good reason to subscribe to our YouTube channel, check out our post-game shows while they're happening live, because uh, you can join. We have like 600 people in there right now. So if you want to talk some football with a bunch of fans, uh, apparently even some Packer fans are in here this week as well, uh, which again, everyone's welcome. Uh, feel free to check it out uh, for next week's game on uh, Monday night. But with that said, and I had to throw out my catchphrase, I don't use it rarely as often as I used to. Uh, let's go ahead and enter that third quarter and let's start with our defensive analysis. And gosh, the first half was great, wasn't it, guys? Four sacks, five quarterback hits, the pick six, the forced fumble, zero points allowed. Uh, third and eight, uh, third down, they allowed the Green Bay to only convert on two of eight. I mean, things were looking great. And I want to thank Khalil Mack, uh, you know, in advance uh, for all those stats, because uh, when you look at them, you're like, well, I wonder how much of those Mack actually uh, attributed to. Um, but uh, let's go to B here. Uh, just some general defense uh, thoughts about yeah, what you saw. Again, it's just like the offense, it's all two halves, but the defense did not get helped out by the offense in the second half being on the field so much. Yeah, not much complimentary football, especially in the second half, but I wouldn't even say it was a tale of two halves. I'd say it was a tale of three quarters and then the last one, whatever that was. Uh, there were guys that, that stood up. I thought Roy Robertson-Harris absolutely answered the call. We'll touch on him a little bit more on the in the defensive line here when we transition. Uh, overall, I thought it was, I mean, very aggressive by Vic Fangio. And then uh, Mike McCarthy, after Rodgers came back in, made the adjustment, did exactly what I said that they were going to do. The short, quick passes underneath that you have to allow, but then you cannot give up the big ones, and they gave up two huge passes in this game. That's ultimately what hurt them is because they they gave them up. There was just no no one back there. Uh, they allowed all these quick, short passes, and they were there to, to tackle them right away. Bryce Callahan did an absolutely terrific job all night uh, being there on his guys uh, when, it was, when they were called uh, upon him. I'd be able to make that tackle, so that was nice to see of him. Uh, but overall, I mean, aggressive, which was nice to see. I uh, just unable to make the adjustment when McCarthy made his. Yep. Let's go over to Nick. What's some of your what? What is your biggest takeaway from the Bears' defense? Well, again, we already hit on it. They played a phenomenal first half. Aggressive, you know, making their tackles, sounding coverage. You know, just played a great first half. But we saw the weaknesses in this defense, specifically two positions. Who I think two people may. Um, not lost their spot, but there there's people that need to be replaced on this defense. Um, and we have some capable backups in, in place. But, uh, again, Rodgers was just able to pick apart people. Um, there weren't those sound tackling going on. And that's why, ultimately, the Packers end up winning this game. Um, but, yeah, tail of two halves. And the Bears need to definitely not let that second half be what we see moving forward in this in the season. 
Okay, you can't leave us hanging like that. Two players that you think they need to be replaced. I mean, I'm sure you were planning on talking Spoiler about it alert. later. There you go, Brandon. Thank you. Well, uh, but here, who are the they? first, yeah, the first one, Nick Kwiatkowski in coverage is a liability, <laughs> a huge, huge liability. You saw every single underneath route. Kwiatkowski was late, and you saw at the end of the game, Roquan Smith was actually in there. He was in coverage there. That's the guy that needs to be out there to stop Aaron Rodgers, to stop those underneath routes. Because when you're blitzing, you need to ask these inside linebackers to cover a lot of ground. Nick Kwiatkowski, good player, not the best athlete. Roquan Smith is definitely a guy that can be that person that can cover way better than him. And you know what? A guy that, okay, maybe won't be replaced, but a guy that I've hated for, for all time, for the, the longest now, Brinson Mukamura. You see what ends up happening. Strong word, I know. Man. It's a guy. I know. Sorry. <laughs> a guy that I didn't want him to bring back. Replace. I want him to be, I wanted to, to be replaced. He was a guy. You saw what ended up happening towards the end of the game. One, he doesn't make. He doesn't make plays, doesn't turn over the ball, and you saw what ended up happening. Devontae Adams made him look silly most of the time out there. So um, it won't be replaced, but it's definitely a position that needs an upgrade. But in Roquan Smith is definitely an upgrade over Nick Kwiatkowski, and I think that's going to be made soon. Yeah, I thought Roquan Smith came out about three quarters too late. I mean, he went in there for one play in the second half, in the first half, and got a sack. I mean, okay. And then he then Trevathan's fine, and then they go back to plan A, and I'm like, why? He gave you a spark, he gave you something else, and you take him off the field. And like you said, Kukowski was just a huge liability uh, in coverage on those drag routes, those crossing routes all night long, and not just uh, give it, letting it the catch, but he was unable to even uh, have any closing speed to make the tackle. Just let him to turn up and uh, gain additional yards after the catch, which uh, was a detriment to this defense, uh, a big sore spot indeed. Um, but well, we haven't even gotten to you yet. Do you have a big takeaway for this defense? Oh, geez, you already you already started off on the man oh, of the hour for me. <laughs> but uh, gosh, I'll leave him. I'll leave him for the linebacker spot. Um, overall, obviously the the defense overall, you you hate you hate to see that fourth quarter how that how that lapse happened. Some of that was a little bit of play calling, especially that last play to Randall Cobb. Uh, I. I don't think they were in full cover zero, or at least if they were in full cover zero, that's a very strange choice by Vic Fangio in that, in that side of the field. And then that situation, if not, that's probably Eddie Jackson gambling when he shouldn't be. Um, I don't know which one that was. Like I said, that's going to be one I have to hop on the old 22 when it's released. And uh, I'll, pro I'll hopefully have a post out for uh, on our blog when, when that does get released and I can see some deeper, uh, deeper analysis in the game. But they had they had the performance. You held Aaron Rodgers and company to 24 points. Now, provided that was more like three quarters of Aaron Rodgers to 24 points, which is slightly less impressive. But still, you held them to 24 points. You scored a touchdown of your own. You forced four sacks, three total turnovers. That's a satisfactory performance. That is more than satisfactory. Maybe it was two turnovers. But either way, your first turnovers, you scored a touchdown. You had You did what you needed to do. I don't put this game on the defense at the end of the day. I, I think I think for the most part they did their job. I the, and even at the end of the game, you had you let them score 21 points in the fourth quarter. Offense still had the position to win the game, and and that was due largely to what the defense set up throughout the first three quarters of the game. I think they did enough. I, I still put this on the offense at the end of the day. Yeah, I think the 21 points is what's going to sour the mood, you know, for most people uh, when they reflect on the defensive performance today. But yeah, I mean, I agree. They had the the team right where we want them. I mean. We've talked about this time in and time out. I mentioned it yesterday in our live show. The Bears should have closed the gap because it's another divisional loss uh, by you know a one score game, less than a score right here, only a one point game, and we're still on the losing side of it. And 
on offense, we should have had enough to close this gap. It just didn't come to fruition today. Um, but we're not talking about the offense anymore. We're talking about the defense. And let's go ahead and talk about the defensive line here. And B, Mr. Trenches, over to you to kick it off. My man, Roy Robertson-Harris. You look at his stat line, it doesn't look all that impressive. He had one tackle, one sack, but he had three quarterback hits. He made his presence felt today, and that was extremely nice to see. I think Rodgers agrees with that. And I, I'm not trying to be mean about you know the injury, but he made his presence felt early. like He was getting oh. in the pocket quick. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there was one of those plays on Kaiser. He went in there hardly untouched. And the one that led to the interception. I mean, he was hardly... Not, I don't even think he was touched. So it was just extremely nice to see him get off the ball real fast. was able to make his presence felt. There were a couple times where he was close to getting his hand in the passing lane, I thought. Uh, so he definitely made a big, big impression on me today. Uh, we can talk about Eddie Goldman as well. He was able to, to do his part. He was the X Factor, able to lock down the middle, especially in the run game. There weren't very many big runs up the middle uh, that I can recall. Eddie Goldman had three tackles on the day, no sacks, but he was there to lock down the middle of the defense, which I thought was absolutely important as far as shutting down that, that Packers running game. So overall, those two guys really stood out to me. And Akeem Hicks, he made his presence early. Uh, he had a sack as well, three tackles uh, on the day. Uh, but he kind of tapered off as the game went along too. But that was mostly because they were doing a lot of the shorter passes because they were trying to eliminate the Bears pass rushers in the second half, and, and it worked. All right. Yeah, no, you're right. And I mean, Roy Robinson Harris, I mean, in the one of the plays too, one of the pressures they put on Hundley uh, is when he forced the ball out of his hands and it ends up going in the hands of Cleo Mack for that pick six. So Roy Robinson Harris being a very pivotal part of that play as well, uh, forcing that early throw that just kind of went up in the air, worked out really nice for us. Um, but uh, Nick, I want to go to you. Um, you know, B touched on Goldman. He touched on Harris. Uh, let's talk about Hicks because he started off this game really strong the Akeemix that we all know and that we all respect and admire and we know why he's such you know a great talent on this defense and it kind of tapered off a little bit what was your uh takeaway from his game overall yeah again he was uh having more of those one-on-one matchups that's what I really expected out of Akeem Hicks and you know it took advantage of some of those but again the play calling from the Packers in the second half really uh mitigated the the Bears overall pass rush, whether it was from up the middle or from Cleo Mack and Leonard Floyd off, off the edges. So I think that has to do more with play calling because the ball is getting out, um, you know, and quick dropbacks there. It's quick, short throws and Aaron Rodgers is kind of picking apart the defense. So that really takes away any pass rush that you have as a Bears. So, yeah, um, I think that, you know, moving forward, hopefully you, you see more of Akeem Hicks in the second half. And I think you will because the Bears do have more, you know, How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it talent to get to the pass rusher or to get to the passer with uh Cleo Mack. So it'll be more refreshed out there. But again, uh, Akeem Hicks had a good game. Yeah. I mean, Brandon said, you know, Eddie Goldman was anchoring the middle of this defense to shut down the run. I mean, Akeem Hicks did the same exact thing as well. Uh, and then of course uh, he early on in this game in the first half, he was a part of uh, drawing a few different holes. Like I counted him for like one and a half. Uh, I know him and Matt kind of both kind of drew a hole in the same place. So I'm going to give him one and a half holds uh, in the first half, which one of them forced a very long third down um, and eliminated a big play from Ty Montgomery. So for me, uh, those holding penalties, of course, that you're able to draw uh, that pushes the green Bay back 
takes away some big plays as well in the process are just as big, if not bigger than a sack sometimes. And yeah, just Akeem Hicks doing what everything he uh, just winning with power, pure strength, bull rushing through guys, just everything that we uh, everything we like to see out of Akeem. And can't wait to see him doing some more this season. Uh, Will, and go over to you. And I got a question for you. And the question is, where's uh, you know John Bullard at? Uh, I saw him in a couple times this game, but I mean, he, he's the vanishing John Bullard uh, available every Sunday, except for uh, this coming week on Monday. You'll get to see it on Monday, uh, special edition only only Monday this week. Uh, he's kind of pulled this vanishing act, whether it's in the preseason, whether it's in the regular season. He always shows out during training camp. I mean, in that way, I guess he's really uh, he's really took some notes from uh, Daniel Braverman and Tanner Gentry as knowing when to flash in camp. But really failing to carry that over. I mean, it doesn't, it, what surprises me is that he doesn't really, you know, change whether that's, you'd think if he was going against second stringers and third stringers, like he did it in the preseason some sometimes, that he, he would he would look like he's a first stringer going against second stringers, but he doesn't, you know, but it doesn't look like he's a second stringer going against first stringers. He just fails to make an impact a lot of times. I, I He's not the worst replacement level, but he's not someone who you want to see on the field, especially when you're trying to spell guys like Akeem Hicks at key parts of the game, especially that third quarter or early fourth quarter where you're trying to get your guys just that one last breather before you put them on the field for that final stretch. At the same time, I don't feel I don't feel like Bullard costs you a whole lot, but I feel like his lack of ability to make anything happen is just so hard to put him on the field because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh... – He's just another body out there when he is on the field. And it's disappointing because, I mean, coming out, I mean, he had a lot of talent and just hasn't been able to do anything with it. So let's go ahead and talk about some linebackers now. And let's talk about these outside guys because I need to look at a positive. So we need to talk about Khalil Mack again. I just need a little bit Mack boost. Uh, so I've already talked about him in the opening segments of this show. So I want you guys to talk about your takeaways from Khalil Mack today. And Nick, let's go to you first because, I mean, I don't think we can ever underestimate uh, the impact he had on this defense today. No, I mean, it was just crazy to see that almost on every play, he's getting some kind of pressure on Aaron Rodgers or whoever was that quarterback at the time, um, whether it's with a bull rush or just, you know, uh, using his hands to get, you know, around Balaga. It was, it was just crazy to see. Amazing, really. And again, he impacted the entirety of the Packers offense going to that quicker, you know, fast-paced, short-passing kind of offense there he's a game changer, like I said earlier in the podcast. And it's great that, you know, now all this pressure is not on Leonard Floyd. Cleo Mack can take that pressure and more and then still be able to produce. And it's great for Bears fans because just seeing him, you know, score that interception touchdown, you're thinking this is this is what we brought him here for, to make these kind of plays, and he did it. So it's great to have, and I'm sure we'll see more, more of it. But, yeah, Cleo Mack's a stud. Well, what about you, B? I want to know, did you expect this kind of impact so early for someone who wasn't, hasn't been practicing with any team, didn't really have a, didn't have a training camp? Uh, he's been here for a week and a day. Today's day number uh, eight here under contract. Did you expect this so soon? I didn't expect that impact so <laughs> soon. I had a feeling that he was going to be able to make his presence felt, but wow. It's really about the only way that I can describe it. Dude is just an animal. Uh, so... It just the one play that it wasn't even a a, a pass rush that stands out to me because uh, we talked about his run defense and the play that I'm thinking of he does a spin move as Jamal Williams is trying to bounce it outside does a spin move and he stands there and sets the edge and Jamal Williams just had to immediately cut inside because he's not going to go run into Cleo Mack he's already seen what he did to Deshaun Kaiser you know so I mean there's not 
there's not any way he was, I think he was going to take that chance. So I just outside of the, the pass rush, it was real nice to see Cleo Mack show up in other areas of the game as well. Yeah, like you said, he was uh, able to set the edge, be a factor against the run, which, you know, we talked about when we signed him. We talked about in the preview. He's a really as good. He is a pass rusher. He's also equally as good uh, as, of course, a run defender along that edge. So we saw both sides of it today. And guys, he's only going to get better. He's only going to understand the system more. He's only going to get his conditioning, uh, you know, more in terms of game shape. I mean, I don't think he's not in game shape, but like he's going to get He's going to get a little bit extra wind in the sails once he gets his stamina built up even more out here playing a, a season. Uh, but, Will, over to you. Uh, Cleo Mack, just go. Just have fun. Uh, normally when you get those guys, I mean, you might think of uh, his first game as a performance where he shows up on you know the field and on game tape but not maybe in the, in the stat sheet. And when, when they trot out on the field for the first time, of course, all the announcers are like, oh, and here's the big addition, Khalil Mack. It's like, he's not going to do anything this play. And he straight up bench presses Balaga right in the Aaron Rodgers. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, there he is. He's right there. It's like, but he's not going to do it the next play. And then Ryan Balaga's keister's right up in Aaron Rodgers' grill again. <laughs> and then, you know, a little bit later, it's like, oh, no, he sacked him. <laughs> and right. it's just like, and he just kept going. You know, and at one point, it's just like, gosh, like he gets the strip on Deshaun Kaiser when they were threatening in the red zone. It's like, well, what's he going to do next? Score a touchdown? And five <laughs> minutes later, like, well, he's in the end zone. Like, what else can he put him at quarterback? Like, what else can he do in this game? But you know what else, too, I like about, about Mac, and this might be one of the things that go overlooked, is there was one point in the game where Rodgers had some time in the pocket and Cleo Mack dropped back into coverage because the, the running back that was in there to protect him went out on his route. And I watched Cleo Mack pick it up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, he recognizes when he has to be able to go do some of these things. And I don't think we would have gotten that out of an Aaron Lynch or a Sam Macho in this one. Uh, speaking of Aaron Lynch, I'll just go ahead and transition to him real fast. Oh, you're talking about the guy that they're putting up the missing posters outside of Soldier Field right now. <laughs> no, because he was there. I thought he had a, had a bigger impact than I was expecting. I was expecting no. a John Bullard vanishing performance, but he had a quarterback hit in this one. He made it, he got into the backfield a little bit more than I thought he was going to. There was one play where Jamal Williams hit his gap because he got around Balaga faster than I thought he was going to. So he he's there. He made his, I don't want to say make his impact felt, but he, he was there. He surprised me with what he could do. I'm still underwhelmed, but also I will understand that. Hey, I expected more than I thought we'd get out of him, so. I understand that he didn't play at all. He didn't practice at all uh, throughout training camp preseason. So, and he's not a world-class talent like a Khalil Mack to just jump in and, you know, take over a game. I'm not saying Um, that at all. No, I know you're not. I'm saying I'm understand. I'm underwhelmed, but I understand why he didn't have an impact. Well, I mean, I think he didn't have an impact. I mean, I understand maybe he got a quarterback hit, but like, He's someone who, at one point, we thought was going to be our starting outside linebacker for this team. Hey, uh, he was. He started. Okay. <laughs> he you, know what start. I meant. you know what I meant. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know what else you want from the guy. He started. A little bit more. But uh, <laughs> real quick, uh, I want to mention one more thing about Mac, and then I want to head over to Leonard Floyd. Um, I want to just mention that you see him out there making calls too, right? He's putting up the hand. Uh, he's uh, dictating how the defensive line is uh, aligning itself. Uh, so for him to kind of see that and already do that, he's been here a week. Damn near impressive, and I'm excited to see what he can do uh, with a little bit more knowledge next week against Seattle. But, uh, Nick, over to you. Leonard Floyd, how do you think he fared with that club? Um, You know, I expected a little bit more out of Leonard Floyd. I thought just because all the attention is going to the opposite side with Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd needs to be able to win these one-on-one matchups. And I just saw him a lot of times just get completely stood up by Batiari or whoever it was that he was getting stood up by. Um, 
I thought he and maybe the club is really affecting him because again, as an outside linebacker, you got to be able to use those hands and it dictates what kind of moves you can and can't do those rip techniques to get underneath a, maybe an attack or whatever. But I expected more out of Leonard Floyd because let's say you don't get Mac. He's the guy that you need to count on. He's the guy that needs to win these one-on-one matchups, get the sacks and get those QB hurries, those pressures, but I didn't really see much out of him and I expected more. So you know, it, maybe it's just this game. Maybe they had a good game plan for him. And Patiari is a really good tackle. He's, you know, he's one of the top tackles in the league. So um, you got to also respect that. But I did expect more out of Leonard Floyd. Anyone else have anything in terms of outside guys, Leonard Floyd, that you want to mention? Uh, Leonard, I was definitely disappointed in Leonard Floyd. Uh, I mentioned in the pregame show yesterday that he really seemed to dedicate a lot of this offseason into developing a lot of pass rush moves. And he just stuck to a bull rush nearly all evening. And I was very disappointed in that development. I thought I expected a lot more out of him. And if I'm not mistaken, I do believe it's his right hand that's clubbed up, which for the most part, I believe he lined up on the defensive right, which in that case, if you're looking for, you know, you bat with the right and then you swim with the left. If anything, having a club to bat with your right is honestly almost more beneficial because you can just whack that sucker in there as hard as you want. And it's not going to hurt. So, so I, that, that was one thing that disappointed me because there is a lot of times, yes, he got stood up because he's not a bull rusher. Leonard Floyd is not strong enough to bull rush you on a consistent basis, especially a blue chip tackle like Bakhtiari. You, you can't do that against him. And I think he essentially nullified himself in a lot of ways. And I was very disappointed in that. All right, let's go ahead and bounce inside here. And uh, Nick, you already kind of took what I wanted to be the main focal point of this section and was going to be, should Roquan Smith be the starter at inside linebacker next to Danny Trebathan next week on Monday night? Uh, I say yes. You say yes. B, what do you think? Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I thought you were going to give me a little bit more, but that's okay. No, but yeah, I mean, we already talked about it. I thought I have here in my notes, you know, Kwiatkowski. The biggest liability on defense. So, I mean, you have to find a way to, if you have your eighth overall pick waiting and he's, if he's able to give it a go fully with that hamstring, which I think he didn't look a step slower than uh, I anticipated him being tonight. Uh, He looked quick. He looked fast. He looked crisp. He was looking like when he was out there, he wanted to make a, you know, a statement with his hits. I mean, he was ready to play. And I think it would be a mistake not to get him on the field more next week, if not even start him. So for me, easy. Yes. What about you, Will? You need to ask me whether I want Nick Kwiatkowski on the field. I, I, yeah, no, I was but just going to let him think this segment. I was going to say, what are you just tossing the softball up to me as I'm waiting in my batter stance? No, Kwiatkowski looked every bit of what I've cautioned throughout the entire offseason. He looks slow. Uh, in coverage, we obviously know he's been a liability. But, uh, I mean, even in run, uh, even in the run game, uh, he, he had all the same hesitations that I was very upset with seeing in, in all my film breakdown and film study. You know, there was one time where, you know, he tempoed the back correctly, but at the same time, he didn't shoot the small gap that he had to be able to make an impact on the play. He just kind of got stacked behind a bunch of uh, bunch of the wash and then he just got washed away, wasn't able to make an impact on the play. Uh, it was it was disappointing. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm someone who roots against Nick Kwiatkowski. Well, not roots against, but like I've never exactly been a part of his fan club. That's for certain. But you never root for a guy to be unsuccessful, but unfortunately he showed every single like thing I've cautioned against every single thing that I've had a problem with. It didn't look like he got, he made any progress over the off season. If you ask me from, you know, his playing time in 2017 to this season, very disappointed overall. Roquan Smith should absolutely get the nod next week. Anything else you guys want to mention about inside guys? I thought Danny Trevathan uh, was also 
to not to the same degree as a Kwiatkowski, but also a little slow, a little slow to react in terms of his coverage today. Uh, a few times I saw him kind of doing the same things that with uh, Kwiatkowski, you know, uh, having to chase a guy from behind after making a catch. And, you know, someone like Trevathan, I expect a little bit more from. So, uh, again, just clean it up for next week. But I think if he had a guy like a Roquan Smith playing next to him, maybe he's able to, you know, play that little step quicker uh, instead of probably wondering, What's Nick doing on this play, and do I need to be covering his ass? So for me, I mean, Roquan Smith makes the entire defense better. Not going to be a Mac effect uh, trademarked. I have that on Twitter. I copied and pasted the trademark and right up there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I like that sound effect too. And so uh, you can that tell it's nice. twelve forty-five my time, and you can tell that uh, you know, <laughs> you know, middle of the morning will starting to come out. That's okay though. That's okay. That's what we're here for. But let's go ahead. Let's transition out to the secondary. Uh, at one point, I was actually having you know a lot of positive marks, and then it kind of started uh, trickling negative in that fourth quarter. I mean, we had no targets go Devonte Adams' way in the first three drives. He ends up with the game with five catches, eighty-eight yards, and a touchdown. Uh, and honestly, I mean, the one thing I'll take is good open field tackling by the entire unit. Uh, not entire. I don't think Prince Mukamara counts in that category. Um, but you saw at one point Eddie Jackson making a great open field tackle. Same thing with Adrian Amos. Same thing with Kyle Fuller. Bryce Callahan had about five at one point, it seemed like. So for me, uh, the open field tackling in terms of, uh, you know, run support as well is something that I saw already in the quick screen game, just getting up there, making the tackle, uh, just a sliver of positivity there before I'm sure, Nick, uh, you're going to tear him to shreds. So Nick, secondary, biggest takeaways or you know, player specifics. They did a good job on Jimmy Graham. I'll give him that. I mean, and for the most, you know, for that first half, they did a great job, but like you said, uh, things just kind of fell apart in that second half. And I've talked about Prince of Mukamura already. I don't need to hit on him again, but a guy that the bears paid a lot of money to, to make plays, you know, failed to do that tonight in Kyle Fuller. He had 10 weeks. He had a gift from Aaron Rodgers, and he drops it. That's the game winner right there. It hits him right in the chest. You're supposed to capture your hands, Kyle Fuller. I don't know if he knows that, knows how to because that was the that was the bears win right there dropped and then how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client robots don't know you we do at farm bureau financial services getting to know you always comes first together we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. And I think the Packers go to score on the very next play or whatever it may be. But, um, you know, that that wasn't good. So the corners definitely need to improve upon that, just making plays. Um, Adrian Amos, I thought, had really good run support, uh, especially just coming down hard, um, especially in that first half because the Packers were – uh, trying to come back there, but Adrian Amos was able to, you know, come downfield, make some good tackles. Ajax, and again, t- likes to take those risks, try to make plays, but that big uh, missed uh, batted down pass that ends up going to Randall Cobb for that big play. So it was a bag of mixed results for the secondary, and you want to see them improve on some of those aspects and, you know, be able to, if they have an opportunity to seal the game, they need to be able to, you know, make it happen. Right. I mean, Fuller also gave up that 39 yard touchdown mm-hmm. to Geronimo Allison, which, it's a good question. You know, yeah. was it a was it just a great throw by Aaron Rodgers? I mean, heck, it was it yeah. was a really really great throw. Um, and the, both guys were you know battling. Maybe there's a slight push off at the end. I'm slightly biased, but I mean, I didn't yell about it or anything. I mean, again, they're both battling, so probably no calls good. But 
in a situation like that, when all the momentum's on their side, you're kind of hoping the ref sees it our way just a little bit. But uh, it's also their number three receiver. Yeah, that's true. You should be confident in Kyle Fuller to be able to, your number one corner, who you're paying to be a now top five corner. He's top five in salary. He's top five. You should be able to guard the Packers' number three receiver without question. Yeah, yeah. no question. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even that a little bit because I thought Fuller played really good coverage on him downfield. I thought there was a little bit of a push off, and frankly, Fuller did absolutely everything he could. But you really got to tip your hat off to number twelve on the other team with a bum knee, putting it right there where it absolutely had to be. I'm not even mad at Kyle Fuller for that play. I thought overall, aside from dropping the interception, he had a a very good game for the most part. Uh, the one thing that I'm just really disappointed in, and I, I said this yesterday in, in the live show, what is Randall Cobb going to be able to do? Since I, th- I thought he was essentially going to be the number one guy. And you look at his stat line today, and he was. Nine interceptions for 142 yards, that's 75 yarders. So if you eliminate that one, that cuts his yardage in half, and he doesn't have quite as big of an impact, at least in the stat sheet, uh, they did in the game. But really on that play, I think Eddie Jackson just really over-pursued. And once Cobb catches that ball, there's two defenders that go flying right past him. That opens up that whole side of the field. So really it just has to be awareness by the other guys back there uh, because I don't know if they're aware that they're the last line of defense, but they absolutely were and that they're just, there has to be some sort of awareness there. It was just breakdown. Two guys trailing a receiver, first of all. So failed double coverage, flying past receiver over pursuing. I mean, that play was just really kind of set up for failure because Rodgers was able to extend the play. So you're really just trying to stick to your guys. So I understand that. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, overall, Kyle Fuller, I thought played pretty, 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 yeah, excuse me, pretty well. Uh, aside from the one dropped interception, that's really the big damper that I have on him. But Bryce Callahan was a guy that really stood out to me as well. Led the team in tackle state with eight, and he was just right on top of everybody. Mm-hmm. It seemed like anytime there was a short pass, he was the guy that was right there. There was one play that was like an iffy first down because Randall Cobb, I think, caught the ball and by just. Aaron Rodgers putting it in the right place, kind of leaning him forward, was the only reason that he got that first down. I mean, it barely crossed the line. So very uh, tip my cap off to Callahan on this one as well because I thought he played outstanding today. All right, Will, I'm going to go over to you, and I want you to be the deciding factor here. Uh, pretty much gave up all of Rodgers' yards here in the second half. So he ended up being uh, 20 to 30, 286 yards, three touchdowns, wasn't sacked once uh, in the second half, that is. Uh, I want to know, in terms of everything that we saw given up, especially in the fourth quarter, is it on the secondary or is it just the greatness on the other side? What what was it? Uh, it could be a mixture of the two. It's it's a little bit of the mixture of the two. I'd say for the most part, it's 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 greatness on the other side because the the thing is that when they made that halftime adjustment, they had enough time to kind of go with that dink and dunk method, that quick throw, get five, six yards each play. You know, if they miss a tackle, then you kind of get, you know, a lot more bang for your buck on those occasions. Of course, they had the couple of longer plays, the long, you know, I think it was 39 yards to Geronimo Allison. Uh, the And, you know, that missed tackle concept comes into play on the Prince of Mukamara play where he hops inside. He didn't funnel the guy. Uh, he didn't funnel um, – Devontae Adams to his help uh, inside. Uh, the, the Green Bay Packers were smart and had enough time to play with that method. Uh, at, at some point, you know, that that thing and duck method, that it took a lot of time. Uh, that first drive down the field where I can't remember if it's where they scored the field goal or where they scored the touchdown, but those first two drives uh, when they were closing the gap took a lot of time off the clock. And, and, that's not, and that's something that as a secondary, you allowed them to do for the most part. 
You know, it's like Brandon mentioned a lot for a lot of the show. Don't give up the big play. Make them take another snap is a phrase that I've used a couple times on this show. They did that a lot for the second half. And honestly, they were pretty successful for the most part. I mean, they made the Packers take up the majority of the third and fourth quarter to come back. And then, you know, you had about two minutes left, and then that's when it all it all fell apart and they gave up that big play that really broke uh, really broke their back at the end. So for the most part, I really think it's due to Rodgers just, you know, having one of those virtuoso performances that we're going to have to gnash our teeth for hearing about for the next uh, however long he plays, like every single time where they're going to have to come back. It's like, geez, remember that time where he did it on one leg against the Bears to come back from 20 down? Yes, we do. Um but I, I, I honestly, in the second half, would probably give it more to Rodgers than I would uh, than I would blame the secondary. Of course, there's plays where it goes the other way, missed tackles like the Prince of Mukamara one, obviously the last play to uh, Randall Cobb. But for the most part, you got – I hate to do it, but you got to tip it to Rodgers. All right, guys. Uh, anything else on the defense you want to mention that we haven't yet before we head into the final quarter of the show? Nope. Silence means no. <laughs> yeah. Deal. I, I try to give it a hard three seconds, so I want to make sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's go ahead and enter that fourth and final quarter, and let's go ahead and begin with the quick hit on special teams, which I think this is one of the more sound performances that we saw from the third phase in quite a long time. Parkey was a perfect three for three, uh, so we didn't his preseason woes hopefully behind him. Uh, Pedal Donald averaged 50 yards per punt. He had a long of 63 on the night. And Tariq Cohen, of course, had that 42-yard punt return as well. So I thought uh, the third phase showed up to play today, uh, and they didn't have any back-breaking mistakes that we've seen in years past that would really uh, put this team in a bind. So for me, uh, I mean, good, strong overall day from special teams. Do you guys have anything to add besides that? They weren't really a big factor, but regardless. Not what I thought the uh... – opening kickoff that the Bears had to start their first drive and that flag was thrown <laughs> on the return. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. The third phase is going to be a problem. And I think they had two of the three penalties in this game. Uh, not huge deal breakers or anything, but it was just frustrating, especially on that first one. Overall, though, pretty pretty good performance by the third phase. Yeah, uh, I would uh, I would say I think this play kind of got lost, but uh, I'd say I can't remember if it was in the first quarter. I believe it was, but uh, uh, an early punt by Green Bay. Josh Bellamy came free late on a pump block opportunity. He didn't quite get there, but that's something that caught my eye because uh, it was something that came late. So I think that was very much a scheme. Uh, they definitely schemed up how long that snap to kick uh, takes, and they thought that they could get home on that. And Bellamy came free late. I think exactly how they drew it up, he was just about a step behind. So I, I appreciate that they're still being aggressive on all three phases of the game, and I think that was just one example of it that we didn't that you didn't quite see get home, but something worth noting. All right, guys, it's time to break out those red pens. It's been a long time since we graded a Chicago Bears game. It's been like 252 days or something like that. So I want to know, what grade do you give this game? I think if I ask this game at uh, this question at halftime, uh, it's a really easy answer. But uh, obviously, uh, some things happened after halftime that changed that. Let's go to B first. You know what? The Now that the emotions have really worn off and we've been able to talk about this and I can think things more through, uh, not emotionally, a little more factually, can I look at the stat sheet? I mean, you know what? I think it, it deserves a B minus at least. I mean, there were obviously parts of the game. Uh, I mean, like Trubisky not having enough chemistry with the receivers, the new guys, the new weapons that we brought in, his confidence level in those guys may not 100% be there yet. The play calling might have worn off, but it also could have been on Trubisky. 
really just greatness on the other side, being able to put up 21 points uh, in a fashion like that, though with some help, uh, the Bears not able to capitalize on some spots. I mean, overall, it was a pretty solid performance, I thought. This isn't one that I'm necessarily discouraged about, especially under a new coach, uh, especially a new offense. A lot of a lot of things, a lot of rust, a lot of kinks being figured out here. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, I think this is a, a B-minus performance. I'm not overly discouraged by this loss at all. What about you, Nick? Um, I'm going to give it a C-minus. Uh, this is a Bears team that wants to win now. And to start it off like that, um, where you have the lead at halftime, you're playing, you know, perfectly on defense you offensively was able to move the ball score but then you have that second half just on both sides of the ball just really not able to do their jobs i think you have to give it a c minus c minus for nick over to you will uh, c minus is exactly what i had drawn up to i think a lot of that goes to the offensive side and though they had a productive first half uh to have 35 pass attempts and not eclipse 200 yards passing uh, that goes both execution, that goes play calling wise as well. Uh, that That's extremely disappointing, especially when you mentioned a hundred of those yards were racked up in the first seven pass attempts of the game. That is a complete um, just uh, disaster as far as uh, put, taking your foot off the gas, you know, in some ways getting too cute, in some ways just not executing offensively from Trubisky's end. You know, sometimes it's, uh, you know, players like Sims not getting to the first down marker. Uh Offensively, really brings it down for me overall. Of course, the defensive uh, just uh, just falling apart in the fourth quarter doesn't uh, affect the grade positively, certainly. But uh, I think the offense I, it really kind of brings it down for me. I wouldn't say I'm discouraged by the performance. You know, you can do bad on a test and not be discouraged how you're going to do in the course, but that test looks bad, and that's how it looks for the Bears today. That's a good analogy. I like that one. You always, you know, and there's we have 16 tests. This is only one of 16, so. We'll talk about that in the two-minute warning coming up. But real quick, my grade, I'm going to kind of split the difference here. I'm going to do like the C range because in the first half, I mean, you give it an A+. Plus. I mean, the first half was phenomenal. I would say that maybe maybe just A, now that I say A+, plus, now they're like, wait, wait, wait. They missed a couple opportunities to put more points on the board. Cohen's big punt return. Khalil Mack stripped, you know, sack as well. So some opportunities to really put this game a little bit more out of reach that perhaps uh, would have been too far for even Aaron Rodgers to come back because apparently no lead is safe uh, when you're playing Green Bay, especially at Lambeau Field, if you're the Chicago Bears. But no, I mean, we talked about it, guys. In the first half, we saw a lot of positive things. In the second half, uh, on both sides of the ball, um, just a lot of uh, things that we thought we were past, but apparently we're still, I mean, we're a young team, we're growing. And I think today, uh, the second half especially, is the definition of growing pain. So for me, um, I'll give it a C. Um, as in we'll see next week uh, exactly what team <laughs> shows up. But guys, it's time to close this show out and just enter our two-minute warning. And for those of you who perhaps this is your first time listening to our post-game podcast, uh, the two-minute warning is where we wrap up our thoughts on this game and put things into a season-long perspective as we tend to look forward. So let's go over to Nick first for his two-minute warning. Ooh, okay, so the Bears had a, a great opportunity this game to go into Lambeau and just beat the Packers, and they they should have done it after having the first half that they had. But if this kind of reminds you or brings up, and we've seen I've seen it in the chat all night, I've just seen it on Twitter, and just my overall thoughts is: is this old same old Bears team that the one that's just going to always lose to the Packers, and they did lose this week, but it's not. Even though it was the same result, a loss. The, this is a way better Bears team. You can see the talent there. It's just going to take some time to eventually get to where they want to be. 
but this loss still hurts. I'm still very disappointed. I thought the Bears should have won this game. They could have won this game, but they didn't. But this team's going to ascend in the right direction. They have some favorable matchups in the next coming weeks, and I think the, the offense is going to get better. That defense is not going to have that second-half meltdown, and you know, Khalil Mack's in a bit more condition. Roquan Smith is eventually going to take over. Trubisky's going to gain that chemistry with his targets, and the Bears are going to ascend in the right direction. But it didn't start off right. That doesn't mean the season's over, but you wish it's you know it started off with the wins. But there's still hope. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if we ever had, um, in terms of us doing this podcast, a winning team to talk about. And I think if we would have been one or no, did Brendan, do you know? I mean, off the top of your I, head, I don't think off so. The top of my head, I don't think so. I don't think so, which is I crazy. Think we've been close to 500 in 2015. I think when they were three and three at one point. Will, what about you? Uh, I think it was four and six in 2015 at one point when they won that Thanksgiving Day matchup, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Something close to so that, no yeah. winning records yet. Okay, no. see that's what I was hoping for. One to know we could talk about a winning Bears team uh, for the first time in the f- well, we're almost at a three year anniversary in the podcast. But uh, getting off the point here, two minute warning. Let's go, to Will. Uh, two minute warning. Uh, I know the Cleo Mack deal got us all really excited for the Bears prospects of winning this game. But if you look at it when you when you saw the start of the schedule, this this game kind of came down to a coin flip. Uh, you didn't know how nerves would be in. Uh, you did. I think a lot of us looked at the game as a product as a whole, and obviously not as as a half by half product, which obviously changes how you look at the game. Uh, you know, post game wise, but. When you, when you looked at the game at the schedule, when it came out, this really felt like a 50-50 matchup. The Bears lost a 50-50 matchup. It happens. Uh, you know, there, there are six, there are 15 other games. Uh, there's there's a lot of winnable games for the Bears down the stretch. Uh, don't be discouraged, like Brandon said a few times. Uh, there's a lot of things to look forward to. Seattle's not going to be any pushover by any means, and I think they're going to offer another very staunch test heading forward. So stay tuned. Uh, definitely don't write off the season because of one painful loss. We've been through a lot of them. We've been through way too much to rule out a team of this talent this early in the season. So we'll see you Monday, and we're going to be excited for it. Well said. Over to B. Yeah, uh, Will just said it. I'm going to say it again. Don't be discouraged by this. I mean, there's – I'll just use Will's analogy again. He's just taking a lot of the words that I wanted to say in this two-minute warning. Uh, or Yeah, two-minute warning just kind of – he already said it. Uh, Peeking at those notes again, Will. I know it. Uh, he's – this is test one of 16. Don't put a lot of weight on it. Uh, I've seen a lot of special things out there. The potential just needs to be needs to be tapped. See exactly what's out there. Trubisky needs to be able to build uh, some more confidence with the playmakers that are out there on a more regular basis because he's not throwing to Josh Bellman anymore, uh, thankfully. He's got Allen Robinson, uh, Taylor Gabriel, uh, Trey Burton, guys with much better talent. It just needs to be able to click. And that's something that's just going to come with time. So be patient. Mr. Patient coming out uh, again. I, you know, we're getting about that time. About you know, when we started this, I said we gotta be patient. We're getting about that time. Exercise a little bit more here. It's just got to be able to gel. And I think they're definitely headed in the right direction. This defense was was stout. It was just really greatness on the other side. I I have to respect Aaron Rodgers on this one. As much as I really hate to say that, got to be able to recognize it. And this is just one of those instances where I think we we witnessed something really great. And I don't. I'm not mad at the Bears' defense. Uh, I thought they played very, very well throughout the most part. They adjusted, did exactly what I predicted they would do, take these underneath routes, and the Bears you know, kept it in front of them for the most part, allowed them to have more snaps throughout the game, but just could not stop the big plays, which is something I said they absolutely had to do and just couldn't do it. So don't, don't put a whole lot of weight on this one. Next week's going to be a different story.
It's really hard for Bears fans not to put a lot of weight on a loss to the Packers after blowing a huge half second lead. But it's only week one. I know. I'm just letting you know. It's hard. (laughs) Oh, I know. It's difficult. It doesn't mean uh, it's impossible. It's just something that's difficult for me. (sighs) I mean, it's it's a bummer. I mean, we can all admit it. I mean, we all got on the podcast, and before we went live, we all had to, you know, just you know, scream out into you know into the earth like ah, get it all get it all out there before we get on here, uh, just to uh, you know, vent just a little bit more. I mean, we're venting this whole show, but just to vocally really just express the frustrations. Uh, hopefully I didn't wake up the kid. I didn't even think about that. But um, so for me, you can look at it two ways. I think the first half, you saw the potential kind of unleash. You saw what this team can be. You saw an offense move down the field with ease. You saw defense uh, this destroying an offensive game plan, taking you know the game into their hands. And the offense, of course, uh, doing the same kind of thing uh, for themselves as well. Uh, and I think we saw what Nagy's offense with some time can really look like, uh, not just for the scripted plays, but all, for the entirety, all four quarters. Uh, so for me, I think the first half is what we can look forward to. The second half is growing pains from a very young team, still trying to find its identity, still trying to find its way. And we we knew this offseason, it wasn't going to be a perfect year. We knew that like, we're not going to go into this thing and we're looking at the playoffs. Khalil Mack coming in, of course, altered our perceptions a little bit, our expectations just a tad bit. Um, but he's not going to put this entire team on his back. Now, did he in the first half? Absolutely. But he can't do that for all four quarters of every single game all year long. That's impossible. He needs other players around him. We have those players. It's just going to take time uh, for everything to kind of click. I think we saw probably the best complimentary football we've ever seen uh, in a long time here in Chicago in that very first first quarter uh, this game. We saw the defense doing what it had to do. We saw the offense, again, putting up points, and it was a thing of beauty. Now maybe next week we do it for uh, you know maybe two to three quarters, and then we struggle for the other ones. That will be okay. I think we do that again. We're seeing growth, seeing steps in the right direction. And what I've seen here on Twitter too, you know, all the bear to the all the Bears players and uh, Nagy, they say, you know, it's only one game. We're going to learn from it. And if we let this one loss right now dictate the remaining 15 games, then you know we have a problem. So they're gonna they're gonna learn from this. They're gonna watch the tape. They're gonna correct it. And I think they're gonna you know take what they really liked and move forward with it. And the things that didn't work that they don't like, you know, just ditch it and we'll find something else that perhaps to replace it with that we better down the road. So yes, only one game. Um, I know, I know it hurts. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here. It's one in the morning, and I'm still very upset that uh, we saw what you know that big meltdown happen in the second half. But I've seen worse, I think. But that's how I'm going to end it. But po- let's, let's end it with a more positive note. Uh, next week, Seattle again, not going to be a pushover, but I think it's still a winnable game if they come out there and play to their potential. And then, of course, after that, what Arizona, which I think is a very winnable game as well. So we could be talking about a Bears. Uh, being above 500 here in just a couple of weeks. So be excited for that. I know it hurts now, but uh, it's okay because here we don't even take a break because next time we talk to you, I'm going to close the show out here. Uh, we're going to be meeting the Seattle Seahawks with uh, you know their podcast. I think they're like the at Seahawkers podcast. Um, I'll have the official name here coming up. I know who they are. I just don't know it off the top of my head here at one in the morning. Thanks for everyone who's been here watching live over like 600 people at some point. And again, it's late. The Bears lost, yet you're still here to listen to some analysis uh, from this game. So we do appreciate you who showed up live. And, of course, the thousands of people who downloaded and listened to this podcast around the entire world. We appreciate you just as much. So, yeah, we'll meet the Seahawks here on Tuesday. But until then, cheer up. And, of course, bear down, Chicago.